everyone, and welcome. I'm Trina, your host, and this is It's Personal, the podcast dedicated to educating and empowering you, the audience, with information to grow your money, wealth, and overall financial well-being. Before I jump into today's show, a couple of housekeeping items. First, it's March, Women's History Month, and I want to give a shout out to my mom, sisters, niece, aunts, friends, co-workers, coaches, mentors, mentees, and all the other women who've impacted me and made me the person I am today. I hope that each of you, if you haven't done so already, take the opportunity to recognize the women in your own lives. Second, I love sharing the sometimes embarrassing tragedies and triumphs I have experienced and worked through to reach the financial stability I have in my life today. But I would be remiss to not also be clear that what I'm sharing is for informational purposes to educate and empower you to make more informed financial decisions. But I am not a financial advisor or in the financial field. So be sure to consult such people before applying what you're learning here, because though we're all in the same storm, some of us are traveling on yachts while others are getting by in rowboats. And so with that, let's talk about that four-letter word, credit. When I was growing up, the only thing I knew about credit was that I was good or bad. You knew folks had good credit when they went to the car dealership and came home with a car, and that it was bad if they didn't. However, I would describe credit in much the same way we understand reputation. Instead of trying to prove ourselves at work or at school to our employers and teachers, we're trying to prove our creditworthiness or reputation with banks and other lenders. And just as much as we work to avoid going from hero to zero at work and at school, it requires just as much effort to keep excellent credit from becoming fair or poor. And so in this episode, we talk about what credit is, what's a credit score and all that goes with it, your credit report and all that goes with it, some miscellaneous credit details, and finally, a few words of encouragement to keep you on your journey to deep pockets. Simply put, credit is the ability to buy something now and pay it back later. Asking someone to lend you money with the expectation you'll pay them back and possibly with interest. Credit generally falls into two categories, revolving and installment. Revolving credit, or credit cards, show that you can take out varying amounts of money every month and manage your personal cash flow to pay it back. Whereas installment loans, like a car note, student loans, or mortgages, show you can pay back borrowed money consistently over time. To determine your credit worthiness, or how likely you are to pay that money back, the lender will likely check your credit score, often referred to as your FICO score. Your FICO score, or credit score, are often used interchangeably, but it is a three-digit number ranging from 300 to 850. According to the experts, 90% of all financial institutions in the U.S. use your FICO score in their decision-making process. And so, using this model, here is a score that you will generally find. The first is 300 to 579, and that's considered poor. Scores in the range of 580 to 669 is considered fair. Scores between 670 to 739 are considered good. Scores between the range of 740 and 799 
are very good. And then lastly, scores in the range of 800 and 850 are considered excellent. And so now you're probably saying, okay, great. What does all that mean? Well, here you go. Those very poor scores, 300 to 579, that generally means that mainstream credit, mainstream being banks and other financial institutions that were well known, approval is unlikely and you may require a security deposit if they do approve it. And what I mean by mainstream, I don't mean payday loan places. Moving to the next score, 580 to 669, which was fair, that would mean credit or loan approval is less likely or that it comes with a higher than average interest rate. Individuals with good scores, 670 to 739, means that loans in this range are attainable for you, but may be more challenging to secure or may demand a higher interest rate. Individuals with very good scores, that is 740 to 799, experts say that the odds of approval for loans or credit are far more favorable than those with lower scores. And then lastly, exceptional. That's 800 and up. Commendable, but may not be or may not make much difference in lending compared to an excellent score. And so in essence, as long as you've got a score anywhere from 740 to 850, it's likely you're going to be approved for a loan and it's likely that you will have favorable interest rates. Remember that I mentioned earlier that 90% of financial institutions use the FICO score, while the other 10% may use what's called the Vantage score. Like the FICO, Vantage also has five levels of scoring, and the scoring is very similar to that of FICO. The ranges actually are just a little bit smaller. And so, to save us time, I won't necessarily go over those numbers, but no, they too use very poor, poor, fair, good, and excellent to describe their five ranges. Intuitively, the higher the score, the more likely you are to be approved and given the best terms, meaning less costs over the life of the loan. Now, how do they generate these scores? They generate these scores from your credit report, and there are five components to the credit report. Their payment history, amounts owed, which is generally referred to as your utilization rate, the length of your credit history, new credit, and then the types of credit that you have available. Let's go back to payment history. Payment history is worth 35% of your credit score. And what that means is, are you making your payments on time? They're looking for delinquencies, meaning late payments, often tracked in 30-day increments. So what they're looking at is how many times has a bill or bills been paid late in the past 30, 60, 90 days, etc. Next, they're looking for total amount owed, or the utilization rate. How much is owed on all of your accounts? The amount of available credit being used on revolving accounts is heavily weighed. The balances are divided by your credit limits. So if you have one credit card, this is our example, and it's got a $1,000 balance and a $10,000 credit limit, then your utilization of credit is 10%, right? So let's try that again. If you've got one credit card with a $1,000 balance and you divide that 
by the $10,000 credit limit that it has, then your credit utilization rate is 10%. Again, this makes up 30% of your overall credit score. The lower your credit utilization, the better. And conventional wisdom is that you should keep it below 30%. On your credit report, you can actually find your utilization rate at the beginning or the end of the report. And it will add up all of your current outstanding balances with a slash mark with the total amount of your credit limit. Again, this is your revolving credit. So that's your credit cards or your store cards. So it does not include installment, which is loans, student loans, mortgages, etc. Next is the length of credit history. How long ago were your accounts opened and the time since account activity? This is basically the date when your credit was approved to the present and how long have you had that credit and this makes up 15% of your credit score. On the other hand, new credit, that is your pursuit of new credit, including credit inquiries and the number of recently opened accounts makes up 10% of your credit report. And then lastly, the types of credit that you're using or the mix of existing accounts such as revolving and installment, which we talked about early, makes up 10%, or I should say the last 10% of your credit report. Your personal or demographic information, such as your age, race, address, marital status, income, and employment have no effect on your credit scores. Now on to some miscellaneous yet useful credit information. The average American has $5,525 in credit card debt. Those making on average between $59,000 and $152,000 carry the largest balances. So Gen Xers, like myself, are carrying $7,200, followed by baby boomers carrying $6,200, have the highest averages, while Gen Xers, excuse me, Gen Zers, are carrying $2,300 on average and they have the smallest, which tracks, because those typically with the highest and lowest incomes tend to carry the lowest balances. So before the pandemic, which is when the last data was collected on the following, college students tended to have an average credit card balance of $1,183. Because students are often on a tight budget, their credit card balances are much lower than the average. Even though that's a good sign, a lower-than-average balance can still be difficult to pay off when you have a limited income. Interest rates. Interest rates on credit cards people are on the rise. Near the end of 2021, the interest rate for a credit card was 16.2%. Interest income makes up a significant chunk of credit card company earnings. It was 43% of the $176 billion that credit card companies made in 2020. Though Gen Xers and Baby Boomers have the highest averages for credit card balances, it's Gen Xs and Millennials that have the highest credit card delinquency rates, by and large, in 2021. The average credit card utilization rate among all credit card users was 25.2%. And if you recall, I mentioned earlier that 30% or less is where you want to be. If you've ever applied for a credit card, personal loan, or insurance, there's a credit report on you. It's chock full of information 
on where you live, how you pay your bills, and whether you've been sued, filed for bankruptcy, or even arrested. Credit reporting companies sell the information in your report to creditors, insurers, employers, and other businesses with a legitimate need for it. They use the information to evaluate your applications for credit, insurance, employment, or a lease. And so that leads me to my own first story about applying for an apartment. I had just gotten my first job after college, and I found this great apartment, and I'd happened to find a roommate who was willing to go in it with me. So we filled out the application. I submitted it to the front office. A couple of days later, I checked back on the status, you know, checking to see, hey, are we good to go? And the woman says to me, wow, you really need to get your credit straight. You've got charge-offs. You've got late payments. However, your roommate, on the other hand, their credit is great. And really, if it weren't for the fact that their credit was so good, I would not be able to lease to you guys. So thank you, former roommate. And you would think that that tracks, given the fact that if you had a chance to listen to our first episode about kicking debt to the curb, you heard about my friend Fran, who used to keep her bills in her closet. Well, if you didn't know, that was me. I used to be the girl who used to keep her bills in the closet because they just came so fast and so furious and there was just so many, I didn't know what else to do. But needless to say, my journey continues to be a positive one at this point because just recently I closed on a home, nearly seven figures. And why? Because of all the things that I learned and understood and kept my credit report and therefore my credit score high. And so we'll talk about a few more things about how to keep your credit score high, how to actually get your credit score high. Um, No, I don't like that. I don't like high. You'll take that wrong. So in order to achieve and maintain an excellent credit score, (laughs) we'll talk about that in the next segment. Review all three of your credit reports periodically. That's the Experian, TransUnion, and Equifax. At least one time a year, especially when you're preparing to make a big purchase and you want to know what the lenders will see. Check to make sure the creditors are correct. Did I really open a Victoria's Secret credit card? Identity theft is real and on the rise. Check the balances are correct. Check the payment timeline. People make late payments. Just be sure the number of days is correct. Pay credit card balances off in full each month. If that's not possible, pay at least the minimum. And remember to keep those utilization rates below 30%. If you share credit cards, maybe with a spouse or child, and they're responsible for paying, make sure they are. If not, cut them loose. Make sure negative or derogatory marks are removed once they hit the statutory limits. Most derogatory marks or negative information to include foreclosures can be reported for up to seven years, up to 10 years for bankruptcy, depending on the type of bankruptcy. Creditors report incorrect information. If information is incorrect, use the dispute methods listed on the Credit Bureau's agency website. Credit scores are predicting future behavior. So the scoring models are looking for clues 
of your good and bad history, according to our gentleman who's got perfect credit score. With a credit card, your balance could be under a thousand bucks a month, then three times as large the next month. If your history shows that you manage your money consistently enough to cover varying costs, then lenders know you're probably reliable enough to borrow more money in the future. So why is a $500 credit limit have bigger impacts on your credit score? Well, again, according to our individual with the perfect credit score, revolving credit has more of an impact on your credit score because it also offers more financial clues into your behavior than installment credit. With a $23,000 auto loan, a borrower can behave in only so many ways. They're going to make the monthly payment on time over the term of the loan, or they won't. On the other hand, borrowers can make lots of decisions when using a credit card. You can charge a little and pay the minimum. You can max it out and pay it all off, or don't use it at all. How one manages variable debt tells lenders a lot about how they'll manage debt in the future. So what if you don't have either? If you don't have either, start with a credit card first. One designed for newcomers. Feel free to charge expenses on your credit card to earn points or cash back. Just make sure you pay the balance off in full by the time the bill comes. So folks, we're coming to an end. In this episode, we talked about what's credit, your credit scores, and all that came with it, your credit report, all that went with it, and some miscellaneous yet critical information. Credit can be incredibly convenient, but it can also be the source of financial troubles for those who have difficulty. The road to a very good or excellent credit score may not be a straight one, and that's okay. The goal is if you slip up, to quickly get back on track. It takes work, and that's why credit is a four-letter word. Thank you for joining me, Trina, at It's Personal. Be sure to check back on the 1st and 15th of each month to find new episodes.